0: We are walking through the book of Luke, and so if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke. If you do not have a Bible, uh, just raise your hand up near, or there's, there's one over on the lamp over here. Um, if you don't own a Bible, there's a lamp over here as well. That's our gift to you. Um, we, you know, we even tithe to Church Project, and what we're doing, we tithe, and part of that money goes towards buying Bibles and, and giving to people. So if you need one, uh, most certainly grab one. If you open it up to Luke chapter 18, uh, it's about in the middle of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you're, if you're, f- if you're looking for it, there's a concordance in the front that tells you uh, where it's at, page number and everything. So we're going to be going through Luke chapter 18. We're going to be from verse 18 to 30 today. Luke 18, 18 through 30. We've been walking through Luke for almost two years. We're, we, we are taking our time through the book of Luke, and, and we're going to continue just to go slow and, and figure out what God has for us. The book of Luke was written by a physician. And so he wrote, the reason he wrote was he studied about this life of Jesus. He walked with Jesus, he studied, and he wanted to have an accurate account of who Jesus was. And so he crosses every T, he dots every I, he's done his homework, he's interviewed, he's done all this. And so we have an accurate description of how Jesus the man walked on earth in in Luke. And so it's a cool way to, to, to model our life as we look at this. So let's look. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. And follow along. I'm in the NIV, I think. If not, you'll figure it out. Luke 18, 18 through 30. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, all these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me, in verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can save? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we have had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. This is a strong, strong passage. And if you were here last week or you've looked at the passage before, the passage before, the previous passage, Jesus is talking and he's saying, unless you come to me innocent, Unless you come to be humble like a child, unless you unless we're communing, we're talking, we're praying. Unless you come to me like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, philosophers and brilliant scientists of all times have asked the question, the next obvious question, and I'm sure we've asked these questions ourselves. Where uh, did I come from? Why why am I here? Where am I going? Like, that's the next question when we're talking about eternity and we're talking about God. Humanity begins to ask the questions, well, what's my purpose? Like, why am I here? Why am I designed? And as we look at this, there's so many scriptures that speaks to humanity. One of them is in Ecclesiastes. God said, I have set eternity in the hearts of men. Every man in the whole world, I've set eternity in their hearts. In Proverbs, it says, for, for a fool says, there is no God. Like humanity, it doesn't matter where you put your foot on this earth, God has set eternity in our hearts. We all want to know, where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? What's our purpose? And I think that as the passage before Jesus was talking, he's saying, come to me like a child, we transition into the, our passage today. And this ruler, this rich ruler, had heard this. He had heard, come to, come to me like a child. Eternity is what you'll get when you come to me like a child. He's heard all this. And then this is what he says. The ruler came to the right person in this passage. He Who did he come to? Jesus. He had all the answers. So the ruler came to the right person. He asked the right question. He received the right answer. But if you look at this passage... He made the wrong decision. Like everything was right about this. He went to Jesus. That's a good start. He asked the right question. Jesus gave him the right answer. But the rich young ruler said, I'm good. I think I got this figured out. And we'll see later on in this passage the depths at which he said that. Do we do that? Do we do that in our own lives? Like, we know, okay, Jesus, this is about you. God, you've designed me. Thank you. This whole eternity, I, I love you. I want to serve you. And we go and we ask a question, but we don't even re- listen to the response or the answer. And we just kind of go out, set on our own pace, doing our own thing, continuing to cheer for the Cowboys and, you know, on and on. Carl wasn't in here, so I could do that today. That was good. Too many Bronco gear to say that about the Broncos. Well, let's look at verses 18 and 19. A certain r- ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to, in- et- to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. There is no rabbi in the Talmud ever called good, by the way. In-, in the Jewish tradition, there was no rabbi ever called good. And this is just historical knowledge. So I'm going to impress you with historical knowledge, okay? Everyone go, Woo! wow, this is... Okay, brilliant. Okay. That's what seminary will do. Whee! All right. The Jews reserve the word good for God. That's it. That's my, that's, my whole, that's my whole, that's all the knowledge I got. Jews reserve the word good for God. And so, in essence, when this guy's looking at the rabbi, he's looking at the teacher, and no, one, no rabbi in the Talmud was called good, in essence, he's saying God. I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. He addresses Jesus as God, but what does he do? He doesn't follow him. Like, how can you address this man as God? This word good is set aside for God, and he addresses him as God, but yet he doesn't follow him. It makes me think about this word good. There's not one of us that are good. I don't think anyone in this room can claim to be good without fault, without sin, always perfect? Any, anybody? I mean, we, we can't claim that. Anyone ever still like a, a sucker or something? You know, when you go to the bank, you're supposed to get one, but you grab two and they weren't looking. Like, there's no one in here that's good. Good truly is reserved for God. There's only God. He's the only one that's perfect. And Jesus lived this perfect life. And this man knows it. He addresses him and says, good teacher, He asks the right questions to the right person. He addresses it the right way. But it breaks my heart what happens in 20 and 21. He starts out right in verse 18 and 19. But look, we get down to 20 and 21, and this is the man talking. He says to Jesus, You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And he looks at Jesus, and I, and I wonder if he's trying not to crack a smirk or a smile. He looks at Jesus in the face, and he says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. What just happened in the previous passage? Do you remember last week what just happened in the previous passage? This man was sitting there when Jesus was talking. Remember Jesus is saying, this is how you should pray and this is how you should approach me. And the Pharisee goes into the temple and he goes, I am better than all these wicked sinners. You Remember that? This man was there. And he was listening to Jesus talk about this Pharisee. And just moments later, right here, he says, a different guy, says this. says, I have kept every command. I am flawless. I am sinless since I was a young boy. Wow. He heard the parable about the, the Pharisee beating on his chest, yet he missed it. Why? Because he was so full of pride. He says he was perfect. He says, look how good I am. Any of us ever do that? Probably not. Any of us? Probably not. Keith, don't shake your head up and down. You're supposed to go side to side. No. This hits me because I've been a Christian for a lot of years. Most of my life I've been a Christian. And when I was looking at this and I was studying this, I had to kind of reflect on this because here's the deal. This guy claims that he has a personal relationship with God. Like he claims this. He claims that he's following all the rules. He's doing this. He's living a good life, but he has no personal relationship with God. In fact, he knows everything about God, but he is numb. He's numb. His heart is numb. His mind is numb. Jesus is telling them how to inherit the kingdom of God. And this guy is so full of pride that what does he do? He goes, yeah, 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 I got that. I got that. I've heard that. Like, I, I heard that in Sunday school. I heard that at school. I've heard that from my parents. Like, I've heard that. He's numb. Like, he knows everything about God, but he's missed it. Have you seen this video on YouTube? I don't know how old it is, but it's a, it's a picture, it's a video, and, I, and, I, and it brings me to tears every time I see it because I don't know how, but it's, it's, it's a, a video of in China, there's a room full of a whole bunch of Chinese people, and they, they have boxes all around them, and they start opening up the boxes, and they start screaming, like, ah, in tears. And they're, what they're doing is they're, they're pulling out Bibles out of these boxes, and they're kissing the Bibles, and they're like just crying. They're like, whoa, they're so excited. I had to have these Bibles and I'm just going that's someone that's not numb and I sit with 10 or 15 Bibles at my house and I get a new one because I don't like the color of the old one I and mean, when we sit here with technology that we can access every version of the Bible there is you want it in Spanish? You version I got it like, but we become numb are you numb? are you numb to the things of, of Jesus Christ? Are you known to the great gift that he's given us? Are you known to what he's done for you in your life? To think you have been good enough, like this man, is to be deceived at the biggest level. To think that we're just good enough is to be deceived at the biggest level. Let's look at verse 22. When Jesus heard this, Imagine Jesus hearing this guy saying, oh, I'm perfect. When Jesus heard this, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. By the way, that that word have in the Greek is echo, which means hold, and that's pretty significant. If you think about that, sell everything you hold. Nothing we have is ours. My grandparents just both passed away within the last two and a half years, and they had acquired stuff. They don't own any of it now. It's all dispersed to everyone else. The things that we have, everything that we have, our very life is on hold. God says, here, use these tools, and so that's important. Look at when Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you hold, have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. I think. You know, you've heard it said, if you want to you teach something to someone, ask them a brilliant question and let them process it. I mean, it's a, it's a counseling technique. Let them, let them bring out the answers. Like, and so what does Jesus do right here? He's probably thinking, okay, man, I know the condition of this man's heart. And if I just rattle off something else, if I just rattle off another rule or something, he's not going to get it. So I'm going to ask him to do something that will show me where his heart is. I'm going to ask this guy who has much money to sell it. And that's going to tell me where his heart is. Jesus knows the condition of this man's heart. He's looking at him and he's saying, I know you. And I want a relationship with you. And he's looking at every single one of us today, by the way. He's looking at every single one of us and he's saying, I know you. And I want a relationship with you. And we'll see in a little bit how much this affects us. But he's looking at this man and he's saying, your heart is heavy, it's dark, you are in bondage and I want to set you free from this bondage. And Jesus calls us to choose him over everything else in life. Are we church? Jesus did not quote the law as a means of salvation because obedience to the law doesn't save anyone. This man thought that he had kept all the law from birth, but obedience to the law doesn't save anyone. It's only God's grace that can save us. Only the grace of God. There's no man, no woman, good enough, able to keep every law to earn our way to eternity with Jesus. Here's the question. If he asked me to give this up, to to move here to take on this to do this to give this up would i something to ask If Jesus was speaking to your heart today, which he is, by the way, each of us personally, he's speaking to our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's beautiful. I may be up here speaking words, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to every single one of us today. So as we're sitting here today, and Jesus is speaking to us, and he's saying, will you give this up for me? Will you go here? Will you do this? Will you? And he's saying these things, and he's impressing them on your heart. The question is, will you respond to the voice of God today? Will you surrender control of your life to me today? Like, I know you've tried it on your own. I know you're full of pride, but will you do that? Some of us, God may be saying, sell everything you own, literally everything you own, and give it to the poor, would you? Man, I'd have a hard time with that. I have a pretty nice mountain bike. (laughs) Would you? And we can laugh about it, but if you really got down to it, and Jesus was telling you to move to another country and be a missionary, would you do that? If he was asking you just to look at the clerk at Walmart and say, Jesus loves you, would you do that? At what level is God speaking to your heart? And are we, church, are we willing to respond when Jesus speaks to us? If not, I love something more than Jesus. Oh, that hurts. If we're not willing to respond to the voice of Jesus... And I love something more than Jesus. Let's look at verse 23. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. This man, he thought that salvation came to those who did something. That's Jewish, that's typical Jewish at this time. To think that salvation comes to those who do something. Yet, I think it's really ironic that when Jesus actually gave him something to do, he refused. Look at that. They're basing their whole identity, their whole Jewish culture is off of doing something. And so they're like, God, what can I do? And Jesus gives them something to do. And he's like, not that. Like, is there another way? He refuses. Huh. You know, Satan is a deceiver. Do you know that? Satan is a deceiver. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to deceive you on every level, the smallest level, the largest level. He wants to deceive you. He wants you to make, make you think that you have something of value. And all of a sudden, you look at it, and you go, it's a fraud. I, I know none of you have ever been tricked or scammed or deceived. I, when I was in third grade, I heard of this this cool, well, Tootsie Roll Pops. Everyone likes Tootsie Roll Pops? Maybe you heard this as well. I started collecting the rappers of Tootsie Roll Pops, but it, it had to be specific rappers. It had to be the Indian shooting the star. Right? And if you collected these wrappers with the Indian shooting the star, I mean, it couldn't be missing any part. Not the star, not his legs. had to be the full thing. And if you did this, if you collected those, you could send them to Tootsie Roll Pops, whatever, and, and they would send you back a new Tootsie Roll Pop for this Indian with the star. Right? I mean, I probably had 50 of these things until one day my friend was like, you know, that's a lie, right? Like, are you serious? Like, I'm saving all these? I've been deceived. I felt, you know, ripped off. This is a fraud. Let's put my hope in all these new Tootsie Roll pops, and no, not for Aaron Havens. My mom was here, and she's probably glad I had no more sugar, so. (laughs) You ever think you have something of value, and it's a fraud? And Jesus said said to him, he says to us, I know your sin, and I'm going to reveal it to you. He's smart enough to reveal this, the, the sin of this man. And why? And for us as his church, John 16, 8, Jesus tells us, his church today, that I've given you the Holy Spirit. It's gonna convict you of sin. Uh, it, you listen to the Spirit. It's gonna convict you of sin. And it's gonna set you free from all that weight that you're carrying. The question is this. Will you let God convict you this morning? And in your life, will you let God convict you? This man had everyone fooled except Jesus. And Jesus loved him so much that he was trying to set him free. The sad thing is, is you look at this story, this rich ruler, he missed God here on earth. Jesus was right in front of him and he missed him. And he missed God in eternity. He missed spending eternity with God. He missed him. Do we ever miss spending time with Jesus because of some fraud we have in our life? You know, Satan's convinced us that we don't have time to wake up early and pray. Or we're going to be too tired if we wake up early and spend the first waking moments of our day looking at the face of our king and and soaking in his word. You know, Satan gives us all these frauds and all these lies, and we begin to believe it like this man. Are we missing Jesus today because we're believing in the fraud of Satan Jesus loves us so much that he wants to convict you of sin. That's a good message, isn't it? Jesus loves you so much, he wants to convict you of sin. Why? So your heart will change. One of the greatest gifts that God can give us is a conviction. That feels good, doesn't it? One of the greatest gifts God can give us is conviction. And so Jesus comes to this man and he knows that this man, there's something that's keeping him from a, a true life with Jesus and he, and he convicts him of this. And what happens? This man gets sad. Why? He wanted salvation on his own terms, not on God's terms. Men, listen to that. We're a, pride group, uh, we're a, a group of proud men, aren't we? Women, you can't escape pride either. This man wanted salvation. He went to Jesus, the right man, asked the right question, got the, got the right answer, but pride kept him from it. He wanted salvation on his own terms. Church, are we going to Jesus on our own terms? Or are we going to him broken and saying, Jesus, speak to me, like I want to hear you? Well, as this story here. Wealth was what, is what was keeping this man in a false sense of security, What is it in our life that gives us a false sense of security where we look and say, we don't need Jesus. I'm just good enough. Oh, I don't need to meet as the church because I can just, you know, go to church online and pray by myself, and and we neglect that. Like, what is it that Satan's coming in, and he's just giving us little frauds, little lies, and we're beginning to trust those frauds and those lies more than looking at the face of Jesus. Look what happened to this man. He was sad. It's too big. It was too big for him. He ultimately was trusting money. Maybe for us, ultimately, we're trusting money or health or good looks or whatever it may be, but we're missing Jesus. The personal relationship with Jesus And he's looking at every single one of us and he's convicting us on purpose. He's putting that thing in your heart that says change and be more like me. Why? Because he knows that you need to rearrange your life so that you can be set free from all that bondage and all that sin in your life. There's no one in here that's perfect. And that's the gospel story. Like we are all deprived and we we are all in need of a savior, and we'll look at that here in a minute. But let's look at verse 24 and 25. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich rich to enter the kingdom of God. There's so many commentaries on this, but here's, here's one illustration. He's given them an illustration. In, in that time, there's walls around the city, and there were tiny holes where, you know, if you wanted to enter the city, you had to go through these walls, and so camels would come up to these holes. In order to get the camel in, through that hole, they'd have to take off all the packs, hit them in the legs, get them down on their knees, and they would crawl through like this and move all the stuff back into the wall, get them up, but, you know, so there's an illustration. And I think what Jesus is saying right here He's trying to illustrate how hard it is. False security in our lives, whatever it may be, whatever we're putting our hope in, other than Jesus Christ, keeps us away from God because we begin to look at him and say, there's no need for God in my life. I got this. I'm good. Let's go to verse 26 and 27. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man Is possible with with God. And this, if you would, in your Bible, underline those two verses. I think this is the thrust of the entire message, these two verses right here. The thrust of this passage illuminates the depths of our deficiency and the breadth of His reality. As humans, we're far from God, but with Jesus Christ, everything is possible. As we're, as church project, we're working through eldership, the process of of forming elders. And so we look at different passages in the Bible, Titus, 1 Timothy, it says the qualifications of, of what an elder is. And you know, as I begin to look at those qualifications, I think we're all disqualified. Every single human is disqualified. I look at the Torah I look at all the laws. I look at I look at all this stuff that man has trying to we've been trying to do from the beginning of time is earn our way into a relationship with Jesus Christ to just be good enough, to just be strong enough, to be qualified for eldership. Like all this stuff, and all of that was just to illustrate how deficient we are and how much we need the grace of God. So God sends his son Jesus to the earth and says, You've tried, you've failed. Here's my son. He's going to take your place. He's going to die on the cross for your sin. Every one of them. And if we as humans put our trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus takes that sin from us. And we're free. That's the gift of God. And that is the word grace that means so much God knew that we would try. He knew that we asked for a ruler. We asked to set up rules, and we would do that, and we would fail. And he says, no one is God. Everyone fails. And when you and I, we come to the end of ourselves, end of trying, Jesus says, I'm there. I'm going to take that weight, that sin, and he places it on himself. And he said, I have paid the price for that sin church it's impossible to save yourself impossible and he gives us the holy spirit in our life to convict us of sin to make you aware that jesus is the savior and begins to rebuild and redeem and restore and give you hope isn't that good news my world of view is this <laughs> i believe i'm eternal God has created us this way. I know that I am not good, but I know that Jesus is good and that he is God. And for those that say this, look at verse 28 and 29. He says, this world is going to be hard. You may actually have to leave family, friends, things you're putting your false security in. You may have to leave money. You may have to do all this stuff, but I'm telling you, church, it's so worth it. And I long for the day to be spending my eternity with Jesus Christ face to face. And the reality is, we already have a bit of that now. Jesus has given us his spirit now to walk with him, to be set free, and to stop carrying the bondage of sin in our life. Church, we can be walking in eternity today. Are we focusing on the face of Jesus or are we just so proud that we think we, we, we got this? Or are we just so numb because we've grown up in this? Like this is just church. It's just what we do. That we're like numb to it. Church, in this place, let's pray that God would break our heart. Because there's no one good. God is good. And if we look at him and lock eyes with him, this life is going to be great. But if we live it on our own, it's not a good ending let me pray for us in this place if you would just just close your eyes and and close your bibles and you know i say it every week but i mean it i mean this is the time that i pray more than anything i pray for this time right here that after I've spoken all these words that I'm just trusting, and we, our church, we're just trusting that God is working in your heart right now. His Holy Spirit is convicting you, encouraging you, spurring you on, like God is speaking to you. And so church, would you let him? If you're comfortable with it, just put your hands out in front of you, just your palms open and say, God, I receive what you're showing me today. I mean, I hear it. I hear it loud and clear. I've tried my plan A, I've tried my plan B, I've tried my plan C, I've tried my plan D, and I don't even know what the next plan is. Like, I've tried it, and it's empty. Friends have let me down. Money has let me down. My job has let me down. There's a point where we look up and we think, we've been deceived at the highest level and Satan is smiling saying look at you're a fraud you're a fraud and Jesus is looking at us today church and prodding in our hearts saying i want a personal relationship with you like i want to talk directly with you and you're not a fraud will you stop trying to live life on your own and surrender control of your life to me And if so, you're my child, my son, my daughter, prince, princess, the opposite of a fraud. You are worthy. God's looking at every one of us today saying, I love you, handcrafted you just the way that you are. Will you serve me with all all that you are? Will you give me your life, your very life, your every waking moment of every day? Will you give it to me? Because I want to give you freedom. I want to take the place of all that sin. And I want to use you to tell this incredible message to the world at large, everywhere that you go. Church, just silently to yourself, would you say, God, that's how I want to spend my one and only life. That's it. That's how. Please show me how to do that. The church, pray in this place, God, show me how much I mean to you. Because the world at large tells me I'm not worth it. Show me what I mean to you. Just spend a couple moments in silence, just opening your heart, saying, God, show me who I am in you. Please speak to me. God, I pray for us as a church that every time that we've acted like we're just good enough, that you would forgive us of that. That when pride has snuck in, that you'd forgive us of that, that we would serve our life for you. We would wake up just anxious and excited for the day to walk with you, to be your child. God, I pray that you use this church, you use everyone in this church to be alive, to walk free in you, without bondage, and everywhere that we go this week, God, I pray that we would represent you. I, I pray that Greeley begins to change because of your love. You begin to instill your love into Greeley through us, your church. God, you love people so much that you sent your son to die for us, forgive us of our sins, convict us of our sins, so that when we ask forgiveness, you're faithful, you will forgive us of all sins, You'll purify us. God, thank you for that. Church, I pray that out of that heart condition today, we worship God in this place. If you would, just stand together and we're gonna go into our the in session to worship God. We can do that in, in a couple different ways. Some, it's, it's, it's just thanking God for who he is, singing and clapping to him, saying, God, thank you so much. For some, it's honestly, it's giving back what God's given us. And so our tithe is over on the back left. Give. Give obediently, joyfully, generously. Like we're a church that's moving together. We use our resources for the kingdom of God. God's asked us to do that. If you have a child in Project Kids, if you would, take your card, retrieve your child, and and come back in here. And as a family, let's just worship God. Let's say, God, it's about you. It's for you. It always has been. It's not about me. It's about you. I pray that you take my heart and you take us as Church Project Greeley and let us exalt his name. Amen.